I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go lonely, letting go of strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way that we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I am a philosopher, pastor, and writer in Greeley, Colorado. And with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We are starting a new series on health. Hooray. Which is great because I have been sick all week. Perfect. And so I know the desire. And I'm a remarkably unhealthy person. Oh, so it's perfect. This is great. <laughs> we are authorities really, on. Really good for us. The opposite. <laughs> we, the, uh, we just will have strong desires for the opposite because yeah. we're both unhealthy. Yeah. It's perfect. Having a healthy inner life said Aristotle, is the target. That's what human happiness is. It is the state of having good, healthy insides. Uh, and that's where we're going to go with these next uh, couple few. Who knows? We might do 20 of these. Uh, sure. But yeah. we have, presently, we have three planned. Right. Because we got to get to Star Wars. Right. Yeah. It's Star Wars is coming. It's coming. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. So, but we got, <laughs> we should probably, this isn't a movie podcast, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> You all heard him say it. Okay, so one of my favorite things about, um, so you'll know this, I teach philosophy of religion. Many uh, religions have very different ways that they think about reality, what's often called metaphysics. But when they talk about the good life, the ethical life, what people ought to do, they're remarkably similar. And this target of having good insides ends up being a constant throughout. So it's not just Aristotle. The Dalai Lama, you will know the Dalai Lama. He's the foremost leader of Tibetan Buddhism. He wrote a book on Jesus a while back, and Mm. it was just called The Good Heart. Mm. And it was the Buddhist take on on Christian ethics. And it was so great on because there's a lot of overlaps there. And there is something about these great wisdom traditions of the Greeks, of the Hebrews, um, of Eastern thought when they talk about the target, when they talk about what does it look like for you and I to get to the mountaintop? Um, what's this, you know, what's the meaning of life all about? They are going to routinely talk about your insides getting healthy. Uh, so that's where we're headed. What does it look like to do some cleaning inside and experience the things that we're made for? So since we're talking about cleaning, what is your least favorite thing to clean? That's that's tricky because it's it's I don't like sweeping and mopping, but not because I I don't like it. It's because I can't get it perfect. What? Like it's impossible for me to do a perfect job. Why does because that matter? it takes too much work. Okay. So it's like I don't like cleaning anything because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> is your laziness is the is the perfection an excuse for laziness? Yes. So you just say, yeah, I probably yeah, can't do it very uh, well. Uh, I'm just not going to do just it. I can't it. do it perfect, so I'm not going to. 
<laughs> Famously, at TJ's last job, he, he uh, managed a uh, coffee shop in town. And my family left a monkey. Do you know this story? I don't know if you know this story. I'm not sure if I do. So there was like this glass that we had. It was a it was a plastic monkey face with a straw sticking out of the top, and it had a lid, and there was milk in there. And we had left it on top of the pot, the soda machine. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. One day, uh-huh. and it sat there for uh-huh. five years. Yeah. <laughs> do you, are you? I thought with it was this? a decoration. <laughs> This is one of the fundamental differences between you and me is that you don't like kitsch, (laughs) and I love kitsch. I left it there on purpose. If I had known there was milk in it, I might have done something different. There might have been spider webs and dust on it as well by the end there. (laughs) Of course there was that, because we left it there because it was a decoration. My least favorite thing to clean out so both you and I worked at the McDonald's. Uh-huh. I heard like one out of every 10 people on earth is worked sure, at McDonald's. It's something that. silly like yeah. that. They're everywhere. We had to clean out the grease trap mm, once yeah. for the entire store. Mm-hmm. Is like you have to open this secret hatch yep. and the worst foulness. Yeah. Like I would rather crawl through that stuff in Shawshank Redemption yeah. than go down into the grease trap. It was yep. the worst. Yep. Like Drains and sewers in general. I and, and like like hair monsters. Yes, Ugh. they got they got like a show on that. I never watched it. The yeah, I dirty either. jobs. No, thank you. Yeah, hard pass. No, thank you is right. So the enneagram is often symbolized by nine numbers in a circle. And here we pick a topic and we go around the circle. And today we're talking about the goal. We we're talking about the target. What's the big point of the enneagram anyway? And it seems to me to be here. You use this tool. Because you want to be happy. Yep. And it's going to expose some of the ways that happiness is achieved. And so oftentimes, knowing your number can become an excuse for many of us for just our bad behaviors. Well, I don't do this because I'm a four. I don't do that because I'm a eight. Or this is why I do this annoying this thing that annoys everybody else. But of course, that's just my type. And, and, and obviously, that is a bad way to use this tool we do not approve of that it is an unhealthy and obnoxious way to use this system to say i'm just this way because of my type that's it gross you can try and use a hammer to pick your nose it's just not a good tool for that it might do some damage right that was a weird analogy but that was (laughs) that was the best i got the enneagram at its best is a tool for growth and for development and how is it that this tool is used at its best? That's where we're going to be going. So this new series is on health, and it's going to focus on what each type looks like at their absolute healthiest. And we're going to start with a list by the great Don Riso and Russ Hudson, who we quote frequently, who in, I believe, all their books use this same list in which they describe each type at their healthiest. They do nine levels for each of the types. They use the levels to create kind of a kaleidoscopic picture of each of the types and how many of us in the course of our lifetimes will find ourselves falling into our worst spots and it comes out in a certain way or we might really do some inner work and we um, are exhibiting our healthiest best selves and they catalog that 
on in these uh, in these lists. Yeah, so it's like three levels of unhealthy, three levels of average, three levels of healthy. And the general assumption is that most of us spend most of our time somewhere in the average to lower healthy range. Um, a lot of us dip in our toes in the unhealthy space from time to time, but uh, that's that's a general assumption is that we're all about average. What we'll talk about then today is here's the target for your type. It's like, what does it look like for you to be your healthiest self? Because if you're going to use the Enneagram to grow, that's where you're going. This is what we want to say is the finish line. And so their top level, uh, Hudson and Riso call this uh, the level of liberation. That's the top dog is liberation. Um, When you are at your best, at your healthy it's going to look like a sort of freedom. So, so um, to get into this, let's talk about liberty. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, when you hear the word liberty mm-hmm. or liberation, what comes to your mind first? I mean, it's it's another word for freedom. Yeah. Yeah. There is a freedom from something. Yep. And that's entirely. <laughs> we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Yeah. I heard that there's a statue in the middle of the harbor in New York City dedicated to liberty. Yeah. We symbolize this in our culture. Yep. In fact, a lot of movies uh, end up focusing on liberty or freedom. You got a favorite uh, story that's about liberation? So I was trying to think of this, and it's it's I I feel like all good stories have something to do with freedom and beauty and etc. Um, so like yeah, all of them. But uh, the, the Giver is one of my favorite books. Ever. Was it good? I didn't see the movie. The I don't know. But the, the movie is fine. The book is amazing. The movie is fine. It's not bad. It's it's just fine. Um, the general idea of there being um, that that as a society we have intentionally moved into this place where we are being controlled by the collective. Mm. Like like we are. We don't see color anymore. We don't feel feelings anymore because we are ex- because it's easier, because it's it's safer, because of whatever. And there's there's not real freedom in that mm-hmm. because if if you don't have true free will because you don't see the r- reality around you, then you can't have freedom. There it is. And I I just I, I love that story and and how it highlights that idea. Freedom ends up being the sales pitch for all sorts of stuff. Um, it's such a basic need for us to feel free mm-hmm. that, you know, one of the, the biggest pl- plugs for military involvement around the world is, well, this is going to make us free at home. Right. And so this is why we're sacrificing treasure and blood and all the rest. Freedom is not free. There it is, yeah. right? And that's the, that's the sales pitch yep. because it, it hits our hearts so much. And I'm that guy. I love movies about freedom. My favorite, thinking through this, I did my whole list, and I was like, you know what? The one that hits me is Amistad. Have you seen Amistad? I've never actually seen it. Uh, I know I need to, and I just haven't. Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah. He he directed a handful of movies for his kids. Mm-hmm. In this one, he uh, and his wife adopted, uh, I believe, a black son. They may have a daughter who's also black, and they filmed this movie to, to elevate um, a story for their their children, mm-hmm. you know, and um, Schindler's List, I, b- I believe, is is his own experience of that. And he was like, I, I need to do some stuff for my kids. I forgot what he did with the other ones. Glorious uh, image there. Any other movies 
hit you or stories? I mean, obviously Braveheart. Braveheart was the second one, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you get your bowels pulled out, your testicles removed, apparently. Yeah. And still. Yeah. All he has to do, all he has to do is bow to the crown. That's it. All he has to do is say, I am your subject. My favorite part of that scene is he, he screams out, freedom Mm -hmm. and there's the irish dude who's in the audience whose eyes are just huge and he like is just soaking it in oh i love that anyway i had that braveheart is about liberation it's about the liberation of a people Mm -hmm. um shawshank we've talked about in the past it's about the liberation of a person yeah one of my other favorite movies is gandhi it's about the liberation of this whole nation and talking about how does freedom work. And I was, I was playing this out. It's like, man, every other movie is about being free. Um, Color Purple is a great, another great Spielberg movie about liberation from oppression. And Thelma and Louise is this great liberation from what, like this dehumanizing, toxic, masculine culture. Matrix is a liberation from the machine. Yeah. Just goes, On and Lord on. of the Rings, liberation from the rule of Sauron. It's like it's it's just it. The theme is in all the great stories. It seems to me that when people say this is why it's such a plug for military action, it's freedom's actually one of the things worth fighting for. Yeah, you know, and at the end of the day, this is what we we want. Thing about liberty. Last last word on liberty is on both the conservative and pl- and. Uh, progressive side of politics, the 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 term liberty is owned. Mm-hmm. So you have libertarians on the right who want freedom from government. You have um, progressives um, will generally call themselves also liberals right. because liberals across Western culture, 18th, 19th, 20th century, have been pro-freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of religion, freedom, free markets ends up being a very liberal idea. It's, it's the free markets are rescued from oversight from the government, not just in terms of taxation, but also in terms of the government saying, we think that farmer A should get, you know, a better price on his crop than mm-hmm. farmer B. Mm -hmm. and that that screws up the whole system right um freedom being this very core part of who we are as human beings and that's what i really want us to stop with at the outset here freedom is core to what it means to be a human being and when the enneagram um targets says this is us at our healthiest, I want to suggest it is freedom at a certain level. And this is where things get really interesting because what it is is freedom from your number mm-hmm. or freedom from your most core addiction, freedom from your what we're going to call your basic desire. Yeah. And all the types are defined by basic desire. Uh, and wait, what do you want to say? Well, the one of the common refrains within Enneagram language is that it's we're not trying to put you in a box. We're trying to show you the box that you're already in. Mm-hmm. And if you can't see the things, if you can't see the unconscious behaviors and motivations that are driving your life, then you cannot possibly be free from them. If you have no idea what's actually driving you, then you cannot be free of it. So so the big idea here is going to be something like this. We are going to talk about each of our types and expose our basic desires, expose our basic fears, and what Riso and Hudson want to suggest is that at our healthiest, we find a path of liberating ourselves from 
those basic desires. Now, this is both a bit, I routinely come back to both Buddhism and Christianity, but both of them have this as very much the culmination of their ethical teachings as well. For mm-hmm. Buddha, it's to be rid of suffering, you need to be rid of your desire. That paradoxically is how you escape your desire to end suffering mm-hmm. is to get rid of your desire. Right. Um, the Christians end up having a, a, a very similar kind of answer that is something like when you lose yourself, when you lose your life, then you will find it or, you know, give and then you will receive or take up your cross and you will, you know, find the only life that's really worth having. And there is this dying in order to live image in both those traditions that can be real helpful when coming to this list. Mm -hmm. I, I identify my ego on the, you know, on the Buddhist uh, way of thinking, I identify my ego in order to execute it. And when I do, I actually find the, the personality and uh, that's actually worth having. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're going to go. So uh, we're going to start with some twos because apparently the great and deceased Don Riso said whenever he started um, doing a study, he would start with the twos. Okay. I think he's a four, is what he said. Okay. But he starts in the heart triad and goes from there. Interesting. And that has nothing to do with anything, but yeah. I thought that was fun. <laughs> I start with eights. Start with But that's because Suzanne said it once and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, just, just follow that's the master. My whole story. <laughs> that, that works. So the basic uh, desire for twos and the basic fears for twos is what? So basic desire is to be loved. And so basic desires and basic fears, these are sort of the, the thing that's underneath all of us that, that is driving all of the things that we do. Um, and the basic fear is usually sort of an uh, opposite of the basic desire. So their basic fear is, to, is that they are unworthy of being loved. So this is part of what drives them to earn love from others by being helpful and generous all the rest and just as a footnote we obviously our first podcast is on fear so if you really get into the fear part of this you can go back and look at that and we obviously are episode zero uh go through the basic desires so if you just want a refresher both those are there but we'll tease these as we go through the thing about twos then when they're healthy not at their healthiest according to this list but when they're healthy a two is going to be characterized by empathy and what Riso and Hudson say is that their sense of self, their the way they see themselves is, I am a caring person, mm-hmm. and this becomes their the identity in which they live. Now, why might that be an obstacle to your healthiest self? Well, for twos, um, they're still defining themselves based on how others see them. So that idea of I am caring is still through the lens of how others are affected by them. There it is. So at the base of themselves, they're worried about being unworthy of love, and so they seek to find love through how other people are towards them. They earn their love by being helpful and useful and caring. And if they are looking to earn love from other people, they're still defining themselves by what other people think about them. So there's still a chain there because yeah. people may get it wrong. Yep. People may, uh, Aquinas goes into this in depth in, in his study on ethics that you can't base your happiness on the opinions of other people because mm-hmm. oftentimes other people have terrible filters. They're not good human beings themselves. Fame, 
uh, or appreciation or honor are terrible measures for actual happiness because they're always dependent on somebody else. Right. And this is exactly where Riso and Hudson go. They say in their description of um, liberation, twos, let go of the belief that they are not allowed to care for themselves. Thus, they can own their feelings and needs and are free to love others without expectations. And here's the money line for me. Paradoxically, paradoxically, and they're going to come back to that word over and again, they also achieve their basic desire to feel loved. This time, it's not from other people. Mm -hmm. Who's the love coming from? Themselves. And that becomes, that's where the dying to your basic need comes in. Mm -hmm. It's all of a sudden, it's a discovery. Oh, this is the actual source of love that I need in this time. So paradoxically, they also achieve their basic desire to feel loved and liberated twos experience unconditional love for self and others. They are joyous, gracious, and humble. Uh, thoughts on that liberating move? Well, uh, um, this is going to become a, a pretty common theme as as we go through all of this. You might hear me say this a lot, but the thing here is that that they are not going to be defining themselves by how others see them anymore, and they're they're instead of seeing. I am caring or helpful, they're actually just going to be caring and helpful because of an yeah. abundance of that in themselves. They are entirely free to be their best self right. without needing anything in return. Right. And that's because their eyes have turned inwards and they're able to care for themselves. Yep, absolutely. One of the things that I would... We, we're going to talk about arrows next year, um, but there is something about the arrows that you see in a, le- a liberated type. Mm-hmm. And so for, um, we're not going to define arrows, but if you care, Google it on the machine. The uh, twos go to f- uh, four insecurity. Right. Riso and Hudson say prideful, self-deceptive twos become more self-nurturing and emotionally aware like healthy fours when they're secure. Right. That feels like that goes hand in hand with liberation. Right. So do you have, anyway, real quick thoughts on, well, you can talk about arrows. Why don't you talk about arrows? <laughs> well, so so much of, of what twos, how twos behave and navigate the world is about um, sacrificing themselves and their own desires in order to meet the needs of other people. And this is how they gain their love. This is how they earn love is, is by being loving and nurturing and helpful uh, to others at the expense of themselves. And so when they move from needing to define themselves by those characteristics, they actually can look inside themselves. They can become in touch with who they are and what they want and develop a a self-care, an unconditional love for who they are. And that love then begins to sort of boil over and become love that they can share with other people. Mm. So in this list, I wanted to put together a new set of titles. Sure. There's like the average titles of the eights are the challenger, the nines are the peacemaker, the ones are the improver. Mm-hmm. But if you were to make a list of titles of these types at their healthiest, I think that would be a great tool. Yeah. So I'd, I'm going to just float one. Sure. But I got a verb and a noun, and mine is the self-nurturing reservoir is what it seems to me a two is at their healthiest. They are self-nurturing 
and that's the action going on inside of themselves, but they are still a reservoir. That is, they are a holder of love that actually spills over into the lives of others Mm -hmm. still. And the healthiest twos will have that kind of dynamic going on. Uh, Does that work for you? Yeah, it's great. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to put that on an Instagram somewhere and (laughs) charge people a quarter every time they use it. Okay. Perfect. Um, The threes, who are often called the achiever, um, have also a basic desire and a basic fear. Uh, talk about those. So the basic desire of threes is to be valuable or successful. And the basic fear is of being worthless. Um, they fear that they don't have value in and of themselves. So someone says, is, would it be a defense? Like I have, I have this inner fear. And so to defend myself against that fear, I'm going to find the approval of others. How do those overlap? I, we, this is another footnote, but how do fears and desires overlap? So the, the fear is typically the, the sort of the antithesis of the desire. Uh, so, so for twos, they want to be loved. And the fear is that they, they are not worthy of love. Is it two, two sides of the same coin or is there sort a chicken of. and the egg problem here? It's a little bit of both. Just kind of develop at the same time. The answer I, is I guess, yes. I guess I could see that. They yeah. just develop in, in, at the same time. Yeah. Um, the threes are characterized then by an adaptability. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, Riso and Hudson say their sense of self is I am outstanding. Mm-hmm. But again, that is really emphasized in their hearts and minds when other people think so. Right. It's not so much that they think they are great as that they need other people to tell them that they are great. And if that's taking place, you're rolling. Yeah, they're good to go. Yeah. What is the obstacle then to their healthiest self? Well, I, I it's it's that that ego. It's it's the um, they are unable to be truly themselves because they they fear like themselves is not worth anything. Yeah, yeah. The I didn't say this with twos, but twos in order to move to their healthy self their that movement is characterized by unconditional love for themselves that they normally give to the world out there but now it's turned toward themselves for threes the move is characterized by also an inner directedness and an authenticity mm-hmm. it pushes against their the the what the temptation to deceive to lie about themselves mm-hmm. to tell themselves stories about who they are. Mm-hmm. And so Riso and Hudson say, threes let go. Again, there's the image of liberation. Threes let go of the belief that their value is dependent on the positive regard of others, thus freeing them to discover their true identity and their own heart's desires. I want to come back to own the heart's desires. That's a great phrase. Yeah. Um, their basic desire to feel desirable and accepted is paradoxically achieved in this movement. Uh, they feel valuable and worthwhile, not because of what somebody else is saying, but now it's because they have discovered that they're valuable in of themselves from a different place. Um, they become self-accepting, genuine, and benevolent. Um, I would not have put my finger on this, but the move towards saying their true identity and their own heart's desires are discovered would you talk about that for threes and what that might look like and why that would be liberating? 
Yeah, well, they three spend so much of their energy doing whatever they need to do to be successful in the eyes of who they're around. So they walk into a room and they figure out who are the people that I need to impress and who do I need to become in order to impress them. And so they can easily pivot, adapt, sort of change their shape in order to be the thing that will gain them the most amount of praise. Which means that they often do not have a true sense of who they are, what they like, what they're actually good at, and where those places overlap. So they may be really good at something that they don't care about, and that's not who they are. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't do that thing because that thing gets them praise. But if they're no longer needing to define themselves by how other people see them, then they're free to just be. There it is. To spend time learning what they want, what they want to do, and and what they're good at and 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 what where like I said, where those places overlap. So they're they're free to just be themselves and to actually learn who they are. The move towards authenticity is interesting here. Uh, Again, on the language, Mm -hmm. uh, authenticity comes from two Latin words, auto meaning self and hentes, which means doer. So it's the self doer. It's not the other's doer. It's I'm going to do something in and of myself, and that makes me authentic. Right. It's where we get the word author. It's also the word where we the where we get the word authority. Mm-hmm. And there is something about I'm I'm true to myself, who I am, and that gives me a certain posture of standing. I I am an authority uh, to myself, and that bleeds out into the lives of others. That's always that's what I see in health, the healthiest threes. Mm-hmm. There is so one three that stands out to me on this front is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Strikes me as this guy. Arnold Schwarzenegger is, 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 I love Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, movies and recently YouTubes of him talking about um, what it means to be a successful person. Sure. He is all three. Yeah. But he is a bodybuilder. Yeah. Nobody is bodybuilding in the, whatever it is, the late 50s, early 60s, whenever he starts really getting into this. Um, it's, it's, it's goofy. Mm-hmm. And he's in Austria and he's part of, he has to go through their military system. And he's, he gets really into this and he has this dream and this ambition. I really want to get on stage and, and be Mr. Universe or Mr. Olympia or whatever it was at the time. Sure. It's not my wheelhouse. So, so there is a praising of him that comes from out there. Uh I want somebody else to tell me how great I am. Right. But there is also the, he discovers this in himself, like, this is who I am and who I want to be and what I want to be about. Mm-hmm. And I, I just find that I, I think threes live in that world a lot. The temptation of here's my authentic side and here's what the world around me will say about me. Yeah. If I go down and said paths and really wrestling, there's a tug of war there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, anyway, the uh, title I had for, threes was the magnetic author and this again kind of pushing into that uh authentic side authors are writers they they bring something out of nothing create it 
embody it and perhaps put it on the page and it spills over to others. Mm -hmm. And threes, it seems to me at their healthiest, again, have that magnetism to them. They bring um, standing and pride to the, to the people in their circles and they are, they have a sovereign kind of posture. uh, It seems to me um, that uh, come at at their best, it's coming forth from the reservoirs within them. So Mm -hmm. any thoughts on that? Well, and, and, and sort of bringing all things together in, in a way that like, like thinking about like Arnold Schwarzenegger is a great example of someone who is uh, has so clearly embodied threeness in his career. Yeah. So he is a professional bodybuilder, someone who shaped his body to get other people to tell him he looked good. Yeah. And then he became a professional actor. Yep. Someone who plays a role to get other people to pay him to play roles. <laughs> Uh, and tell him he did a good job. Then he became a politician. Because he's like governor of California. <laughs> yeah. And like like these, uh, this sort of shape-shifting. And then seeing him now as, as, a, as an old man looking back on the life that he's had. Yeah. He is able to sort of it showcase some of the value of reaching those things. In, in a way that, that draws them all together. Like, what what is the wisdom of my career? I can actually talk it at great length about how to be successful. Not how to be a bodybuilder, how to be successful. Now, this was the thing with the arrows for me. And what for threes strike me, I would love for your thoughts on this. Threes, when they go to six, insecurity. I'm... I'm on a microphone, and I'm talking to other people mm-hmm. about their best self. Yeah, I'm not talking about me. I don't care what you think about me right now. I'm talking about you and how you can thrive. Mm-hmm. That strikes me as, well, that's what uh, Riso and Hudson say this about the arrows, that vain, deceitful threes become cooperative and committed to others like healthy sixes. Mm-hmm. And so I would assume somebody like a Tony Robbins is kind of a three. You right. know? And it's when you get out of yourself, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elevate you yeah. to your best self. Yep. And that's like, and, and using my strength and abilities to my, my skills to elevate the group. Yep. Yeah. Bang. Brings us to the fours. Uh, what's the basic desire and fear for the fours? Well, their basic desire is to be themselves. Mm. And so their basic fear, the opposite side of that coin, if you will, is that they don't have any significance in and of themselves. Right. Characterized by, when they're healthy, characterized by introspection still. Uh, Sense of self, says Riso and Hudson. Their sense of self is, I am sensitive. Um, What is it going to look like for, what's the obstacle that is to fours becoming their healthiest selves? Well, the um, so so fours get into uh, in the same way that they're they're viewing themselves through other people um, as twos and threes, but fours is more about the lack that they experience. So they look at the world and they they see the things that they're lacking, which puts them on the outside. Um, so so one of their biggest hurdles is is that they're they're always seeing the things that they are missing. Mm. And this means that they are always self-focused. Right. Yeah. 
Riso and Hudson say that the move to liberation is characterized by self-renewal and inspiration. And I'd love to come back to those. Those are good. Sure. Um, self-renewal and inspiration. Fours, they say, let go of the belief that they are more flawed than others and are thus free from their self-absorption. Their basic desire to find themselves and their significance is, paradoxically, achieved solving their problems with identity and its stability. They are self-renewing, redemptive, and revelatory. Thoughts on fours dying to their basic desire and finding what they actually want. Like I said, the, the, that idea that they're flawed or that they're missing something, um, when they stop focusing on themselves, when they remove that self, um, then they actually get to, um, they get to see themselves as part of the whole. They, get, they see themselves as connected to the things that are around them. And um, not focusing on their lack, they, they in general just stop focusing on themselves and they get to see the, the world a little more clearly. They see the things happening around them. They see, um, they see beauty in the world around them in ways that, that is harder for them to see when they're s- so self-focused. Yeah, if you are entirely self-focused, focused Mm -hmm. you can't see your own uniqueness because you're focused entirely on yourself right open your eyes to the world around you more you actually begin to see oh i actually am unique in this space Mm -hmm. and there's the paradox yeah and you start to engage the world and 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 draw others into their own uniqueness and beauty because you're you're able to to highlight that in ways that are that are really valuable for other people yeah you're going to see the, the arrows at play here where twos at their best are going to resemble fours. Uh, the inner life of fours, the two is able to look inward like a healthy four would. Mm-hmm. Fours, however, when uh, they begin to look outside and go to two, it is actually in stress. Why, why would those be balanced that way? Does that make sense? It, it does, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky way of looking at it um, that that's not super helpful. Like the idea of, of twos going, looking inside themselves is something that's really valuable and, and um, they, they need that in order to be a more whole person. Fours don't necessarily need to look outside of themselves because they're still defining themselves by who they are. The thing that they're missing is engagement. Ah, uh, sure. There it is. So fours go to one yep. in secure places, and, and the thing that they need to start doing is engaging the world around them. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my title for the four was the beauty-weary creator. They come with that sense of here are the, the kaleidoscopic ways the world unfolds, both the beauties and the pains and the beauties in the joys. And there's an engagement that takes place with a healthy four mm-hmm. of shoring up that repressed center and, and moving into action. And they begin to create out of that understanding of the wonder of the world around them. Right. And yeah, that, that can mean painting or music or poetry that can also mean connection. Mm-hmm. It can mean, um, whatever work the fours are doing, um, whatever things they actually like making, 
it can be any of those things. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the fine arts. Yeah. Uh, Yep, yep. Yeah. We're going to do a podcast on that at some point here in the next few that's about creation. What is it that each of the types create? Right. And oftentimes, us at our best, there is a we take in the world and then we exhale something. And when we're healthy, we're going to exhale things that are worthy and good. Uh, we're going to put our hands and voices and emotions into places that bring life to others. And yeah, of course, that would be the case. Yeah. With the four. Yep. Um, to tease the arrows for fours, uh, Riso and Hudson say, envious, emotionally turbulent fours become more objective and principled like healthy ones. And mm-hmm. that would be the move. Yeah. it's That's yeah. the engagement. Yeah. And that move to two sort of becomes a, a doubling down on the attention of other people. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's an unhealthy move. Right. Or at least a... Well, we're, we're going to talk about this with the arrows, but... Uh, going to your stress number isn't always unhealthy. Right. It it's can, it's a stress reaction. It's a right, it's a reaction right. to stress and how are you gonna shore yourself up? Right. And so if I just get people to tell me that I'm loved, is that how that would work with yeah, going you, to two? That could actually be a really valuable thing. Yeah. Yeah. Brings us to the fives. Uh what is the basic fear and desire of the five? Well, the fives they are looking to be competent and capable. Um, and that is how they gain their security. And their fear is of being useless or incapable and, and not having enough, enough knowledge, enough skills, uh, enough resources. This is one of those places that I wouldn't see it unless somebody showed it to me. Mm-hmm. The idea that fives fear being useless or helpless, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna collect all the things. I'm gonna gain all the knowledge, so that I'm never ever in that space. Right. When you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I would like just knowing the fives that I do. I would never think that that's what's going on in their heart and minds. That's because they don't share their inner life with you. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there, there, there it is. Uh, so fives are characterized when they're healthy and doing their thing well, um, characterized by that observing. Um, Riso and Hudson say their sense of self is I am perceptive, and it's out of that perception you're going to feel secure. Um what uh, what would be some obstacles to fives being their healthiest self? Well, the it's it's that that fear holding them back. Um, so so always holding on to things like like we've talked about in previous episodes that like fives are probably the ones that have a bank account that they've never touched. Um, they're 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 and their their quote unquote sin that's that's associated with them is, is greed or avarice, and and they're they're holding on to their resources in ways that make them feel protected. But that means that they're not engaging the world. And it's often the case that they're not sharing those resources in places that, that they're the only ones that can, can bring that to the Mm -hmm. table. Yep. So again, Riso and Hudson describe the movement of fives into that that liberation as characterized by clarity and by participation they write mm-hmm. fives let go of the belief that they are separate from the environment and outside observer 
and are thus able to confidently engage in life. They, are, uh, they also paradoxically achieve their basic desire to be capable and competent and to live in the world. They then become clear-minded, knowing profound and compassionate. Um, anything hit you there? Well, I, th- I immediately think of like the ivory tower academic uh, who spends their whole life studying a particular subject but never actually does that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then say the university shuts down and they find they have to get a job and they find themselves entirely capable to be in the field that they've been studying their entire lives. So have you seen the beginning of Ghostbusters? That's the premise. They get sure. they lose their university jobs. And, the, and Ackroyd says something to the extent of, um, you've never been out there. You don't know about the private sector. Right. They expect results. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's... Like, <laughs> it's the perfect analogy. Anyway, um, I had as the title the efficacious visionary. Mm, I like great. A, I like efacious more than efficient, just because it's got it's got some. I don't know. It's got some twinning it's, going. And and it's it's it denotes action. So I've, I consistently talk about Warren Buffett and Bill Gates as fives on this front mm-hmm. because they are doing so much in the world. Yeah, and Gates in particular. It's not just that he starts a software company that changes you know, Western civilization. It's then he he hits a point where he's like, you know what, I'm not going to just sit back anymore. I have these business skills. I'm going to apply them to the most pressing problems in our world. Right. And he decides, I'm going to destroy malaria. Right. You know, yeah. I'm going to destroy AIDS. Yep. And that visionary side, I see the problems. I it, the, He clearly is going to wrestle with fear if he's coming out of that five spot. Right. But he's going to do something about it with the knowledge that he has. Right. That seems like a real healthy human being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Arrows, the avarice detached five becomes more self-confident and decisive like healthy eights. Mm -hmm. I would love your thoughts on this. The five to eight Mm -hmm. is is the one arrow that I always think is the strangest. Yeah. Is, well, and the opposite is the hardest to understand. Yeah. The, the eight moving to five is super tricky. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we can, so, yeah. and we'll talk about that at some point. But Someday we'll talk about <laughs> arrows. So, But at least the five going to eight, yeah. where, where do you see that? How does that play out in the life so, of a five? So it is exactly that that thing of, of um, moving from a place of, I have studied this subject for however many years I've become an expert in this field now you need to do something with that expertise. So uh, oftentimes for fives, it'll be the case that that there is a leadership vacuum and they find themselves capable of stepping into a place where they know what they're talking about mm-hmm. and they know how to lead others in that same subject. Yeah. Is and it- so like they bring that energy out and say, I, I know what I'm talking about. Let's do it this way. In a very take charge kind of manner. It's again shoring up your repressed center there. Right. You, you got to get beyond your action repressed self yep. and engage. And when you do, that actually ends up being a super healthy step. Right. Moving to the sixes. Uh, what are the basic desires and fears for the six? Well, the basic desire is to be secure and supported. 
And their basic fear, the opposite of that, is that they are without support or guidance. Yep. Healthy sixes, Mm -hmm. characterized by their trustworthiness, often often called the loyalist or the guardian. Uh, There is the sense of self being, I am reliable. Mm -hmm. And when they're reliable, they earn the security that they crave, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, What is it that is going to keep a six from being their healthiest self? Uh, well, it's their fear, obviously, but um, afraid of stepping out of line, afraid of doing things that will get them in trouble, afraid of um, uh, doing anything that's not expected of them. Um, and, and most of all, it's, it's that, that thought spiral. Yeah. Now, that was the solution that Riso and Hudson pitch. Mm-hmm. This was the one that really hit me in terms of, oh, I think they'd nail it here. The move to liberation, they say, is characterized by inner guidance and courage. Right. But the inner guidance, I thought, things I thought was real interesting. Because mm-hmm. I, I imagine six is here all the time. You need to be courageous. You need to, you know, elevate that side of yourself. Right. But the inner guidance, I thought, was real interesting. What does it look like for a six to find... You know, their yeah. their inner guide. The real problem isn't that they don't have courage. The problem is that they don't trust themselves. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So so finding that inner guidance, finding finding a sense of being able to trust their inner voices, trust their abilities, trust their experiences, and and let that trust translate into how they act. Yeah. That's the thing that it moves to health. Where we talked about fours and fives being action repressed sixes are uh thinking repressed right and i imagine that has a huge uh deal to do with right. uh, them not trusting themselves right and and not trusting themselves feeds their thinking repression they and it's it's not that they don't think it's that they don't use productive thinking right so and we'll get into this next time is okay what's the action step how do i get there right um but the ability to do the exercises, activities that shore up your thinking and grant you productive thinking on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. That's a very valuable thing to find, invest in, and, you know, and give yourself to. Um, Riso and Hudson say this, uh, liberated sixes let go of the belief that they must rely on someone or something outside themselves for support. I imagine that would be a massive step. (laughs) And they discover their own inner guidance. They also paradoxically achieve their basic desire to find security and support because they understand their own strength at that point. They then become truly secure with themselves, grounded, serene, and valiant. Thoughts on Liberated Six? Yeah, this is, um, again, like this is, this seems clear to me the that idea of like the the separation from self like viewing themselves as i'm safe and supported to being able to find strength inside themselves um and and because they can start to trust themselves and their own um their own guidance they can actually stop looking to other people to to shore that up and and all of a sudden they find that they are capable that that they they can do the things that they're worried about and they don't have to 
fear as much. Yeah. I called my title for the healthiest would be the self-reliant bulwark. Mm. One, I like the word bulwark. And yeah. it, just, it has this, this um, bigger presence image in my head. Um, but I imagine sixes at their health, healthiest having that going on, that they are both self-reliant and that they create this sense of security for others. They mm-hmm. create this, this stabilizing presence yep. for others. Yeah. Um, Riso and Hudson have uh, Robert Kennedy as a six. I don't know if this is true or false. I couldn't give you the, the argument, but I do know that his relationship to John ends up being very much that, very protective um, personality. And then when John dies, he ends up being kind of that first, you know, progressive um, of the, the boomer, you know, boomer culture, like, you know, superhero kind of guy. He's going to fight for the poor. Right. He brings a lot of stability there. Um, Princess Diana, they list as a six, um, seems to have that kind of thing going on inside of her, uh, her where she, she has security and now, I don't know, everything I remember of her ended up being her service of the poor. Anyway, the in terms of here, here are some people that embody that healthiest side of things. Mm-hmm. In terms of the arrows, Brito and Hudson say uh, fearful, pessimistic sixes become more relaxed and optimistic, like healthy nines. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, th- I thought a lot about like uh, serenity and stability. Um, that's a thing that that when sixes go to nine in their security, like one of the things that they gain is, is that, that sort of optimism and, and really it's, it's serenity. Like things are going to be okay and we can calm down a little yeah, bit. Yeah. There it is. Cause yeah. they feel secure and right. therefore they can push into that. Right. But especially if they got their minds around the problem mm-hmm. and they're trusting their thoughts. Right. Brings us to sevens. Uh, what is the basic desire and fear for the seven? The basic desire is to be happy. Who doesn't want to be happy? And so their fear is not being unhappy, but that they are going to be trapped. That they're going to not be able to escape pain or unpleasant experiences. In their list, Riso and Hudson say that sevens, healthy sevens, are characterized by responsiveness that was their first word. And I was like, I don't know that I thought about this. Do you, do you have thoughts on that? No. Um, That's, I, I don't <laughs> know that I've read that before. There was responsiveness and their sense of self is I am enthusiastic. They say sevens, sevens are focused on the world of possibility and are excited by thinking about all the things they will do. And their self-image is, I am happy, spontaneous, outgoing. I don't know what that has to do with responsiveness. So responsiveness is is that that pivoting. It's um, so you'll see a lot of sevens that are um, immediately responding to the next opportunity. And so, so like this is this is one of the things about sevens that that um, can can be criticized is that they they don't finish the things that they start. And it's oh, because they this, immediately yeah. move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like when a new opportunity comes up, they're already going to that. It's about anticipation yeah. and their future focus yep. with both their stance and their yeah. um, their fear can be in, in the future. Right. 
So a new thing comes up. I, I am the exact kind of person that like when someone walks in the door, I don't turn and look. Mm-hmm. Sevens will always turn and look. Yeah. So it's, it's always responding to the stimuli that's in front of them. There you go. Yeah. So what would be the thing that's going to keep a seven from being their healthiest self? Well, it is that that avoidance of pain. Um, it's it's constantly. If you're always on the move, then you don't ever stop to experience what's in front of you. Um, and avoiding pain, like we've talked about this before, and we'll talk about it again. But avoiding pain means you're avoiding half of life. Mm-hmm. If like if you only ever like the good emotions, then you're missing out on the other half of all of them. And and that means that you don't have a full experience. The movement for Riso and Hudson, they say the movement to liberation is characterized by assimilation and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, both those had, in my mind, a huge, you know, stop sign is actually yeah. what that's about. Yeah is I don't need to go to the next thing. I need to be present, be here, and assimilate. Right. And on the flip side, I need to be present, be here, and be thankful for the things I see around me. Right. Um, they say sevens let go of the belief that they require specific objects and experiences to feel fulfilled so they are able to, fuf- uh, so they are able to fully assimilate their experiences and be nourished by them. They also paradoxically achieve their basic desire to uh, be satisfied and content to have their needs fulfilled. And they become appreciative, ecstatic, and deeply grateful. Thoughts on a liberated seven. Well, you, we've all experienced, uh, and if we haven't, then it's probably us. Uh, but we've all experienced people that have never had anything bad happen to them. And they're just kind of thin, like they're, yeah. they're, like there's there's something missing there. Mm. Um, they can be they can be wonderful people, but if they've never experienced anything bad and actually gone through that, and like like grief and um, grief and pain, and like like these things change us, and they can change us in really good and valuable ways that that grow us and mature us and make us more whole human beings, and so. When sevens refuse to sit with their pains, when when they refuse to go through the things that are hard because they just want to move on to the next fun thing, um, th- that means they're they're not whole. Like I remember, yeah. um, there's a there's a character on uh, Parks and Rec where uh, Leslie is dating this guy that he just collects experiences and like he just wants more more and more stories and it's like he's he's kind of like boring in that way like it's a it's a fun flash in the pan but there's no depth mm-hmm. there and and it also means that they trample on other people and their desire for more stories so um like in integrating and 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 being present with the hard things that we experience, we actually become more whole and we become more mature. And, and so, um, and, and we see a a greater fullness in life. 
that was when I did my title. So the new title that I had for for Liberated Sevens was the Exultant Priest. Mm. And this is uh, some of you don't believe in God, and you're saying I'm a seven. I'm not a priest. The thing about sevens, what priests do is they open up windows in dark rooms so that the light comes in. Mm -hmm. They're able to showcase, here's the illumination that surrounds you at all times, and isn't it glorious? And they exalt in that. And um, that posture of heart is so valuable. And I think that's exactly right. It's the sevens who who have taken time to sit in their pain. They're the ones that get it. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are able to do that work for the rest of us. Right. So we bring up Robin Williams all the time on this right. front, that Robin Williams is at his best when he's sitting in the pain. Um, Dead Poet Society, um, the Good Morning Vietnam, Goodwill Hunting, all of these are this this these characters that are sevens who are embracing the pain and then coming through it right. and showcasing what's on the other side. Right. Um, my favorite example, I bring him up all the time, but I'm, I'm fascinated by Steven Spielberg. Um, Steven Spielberg does um, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year. Right. And it's him going deep into the pain. Mm -hmm. There are exultant moments in that, you know, in that movie for sure. Yeah. But he's going to just, you know, bring out all the ugly colors. And that was all. Did you hear this? Yeah. he did post-production for Jurassic Park mm-hmm. when he's in, like, Dachau. He's, he's, sure. he's, doing, he's, he's, doing, he's doing this dinosaur story because uh. that's how he got through that. Right. Was he filmed all the Jurassic Park stuff, then he flew to Europe and is doing all the Schindler's List stuff. And right. so his escape <laughs> was... Hey, guys, I'm going to go play with some dinosaurs for a couple exactly of minutes. exactly how that worked. Everyone take five. One of the great film achievements ever is filming those two movies in the same year. Though. Right, I mean, absolutely. It is the I've I've had the, I had this this conversation with a with a buddy of ours of who the greatest artist of the 20th century is, and and Spielberg gets my vote. Sure. Um, not only has he been, uh, you know, it's not he's not all popcorn. You know those those movies, man. It takes well, a lot. Uh, here's here's one of the things about about what we're talking about is that the popcorn is great, but it's it's just popcorn. Yeah. Jurassic Park 2 <laughs> and every other movie in the Jurassic universe yeah. is all just popcorn. Okay. The first movie mm. is popcorn with some other stuff in it. No, there's like some, there's, there's some depth to that movie yeah. and that's why that movie is so good. Yeah. Like having a fuller experience, like it's nice to have just candy and popcorn sometimes. But a better experience, a fuller experience is going to have more depth than just being a movie about dinosaurs. Yeah. It's also a movie about chaos and family and like like there's more going on and betrayal. Like there's mm. there's more to that film than just being a movie about dinosaurs. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. And that's why it connects. Right. Done guys done his work. Uh, arrows on the arrows, gluttonous, scattered sevens become more focused and fascinated by life, like healthy fives. Love that image of mm-hmm. fascinated by life. Mm-hmm. The healthiest sevens I know, that's exactly where they go. It's a, they get really interested in specific topics right. and push towards them. So my two favorite authors um, are both sevens, and they end up 
having that quality of I'm going to get really into a specific topic, but then once they get there, their sevenness blows open everything and they see it from this, again, kind of kaleidoscopic way. Right. Yep. Last thoughts on sevens? We've hinted at at a lot of the sort of holy ideas, and we'll talk more about holy ideas at another point, but I think that, like, wisdom being embodied by healthy, like, really healthy sevens is something that is is so clear. Yeah. Like, this is something that you can really understand. If you want to understand the holy ideas, start with looking at wisdom being represented by good and healthy sevens who've done the work. That's the, it's, we'll do this. This will actually be our next podcast, but what is the step to your healthiest self? Mm -hmm. So the seven, I assume, I mean, my initial take, not having done the study yet, it would be something like when sevens embrace wisdom, it tells them where they need to um, be more sober Mm -hmm. and get things under control. That's what wisdom does. And wisdom also tells them this is the place where there's a lot of life and energy and you are entirely welcome to play on that playground. Right. And it's a good idea to live life in balance. Yeah. So like you can also, you can make your movie about dinosaurs and then go make your movie about the Holocaust. Yep. But maybe do some editing on the movie about dinosaurs while you're making the movie about Holocaust because <laughs> life is in balance. That's it. That goes back to if you read Plato's Republic, that's entirely the movement mm-hmm. is you get your mind shored up. The excellent mind is the wise mind for yeah. Plato. And the first thing it says is your body needs to get moderated. Um, and there's the move. Yep. Brings us to eights. Uh, eights have a basic desire and basic fear. Of course they do, just like everyone. Uh, Their basic desire is to protect themselves, Mm. to be strong and uh, not be controlled. And their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others, which includes being vulnerable. Healthy eights are going to be characterized by a self-assertiveness, Uh, You're not supposed to type other people, but oftentimes you can kind of see people that self-identify as eights. A lot of us will go, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of guessed. Yep. (laughs) And it's because of that. It's often pretty clear. There ends up being a sense of self that uh, I am strong and that through their strength, they're going to gain the control that they're looking for. And that's that's meeting their basic desire. Yeah. Yeah. So what is going to keep an eight from moving to that liberated space? Well, that, um, that need to be strong, that, that need to avoid uh, vulnerability. Um, I, again, a lot like sevens, it, mean, it means they're missing out. Um, it means they're, they're not connecting to themselves. It means they're, they're not in touch with their feelings and and. Very importantly, it means they're not in touch with how their behavior affects other people. Mm. There is uh, the move for Risa and Hudson. They say that moving to liberation is characterized by self-surrender. Mm. And that that struck me as interesting because I'm trying to protect myself. Right. But I'm going to surrender myself instead, and there's the paradoxical move. Right. So they say eights let go of the belief that they must always be in control of their environment, which allows them to let down their guard and heal their hearts. They also paradoxically achieve their basic desire, the desire to protect themselves and become magnanimous 
self-surrendering, courageous, forgiving, and sometimes heroic. Uh, thoughts on liberated eights? Well, I'm, um, if your desire is to make sure that nobody ever comes inside your castle, then you build walls. Mm. If you can recognize that your castle is not actually that valuable, then you don't ever have to build walls mm. to protect it. The thing that's valuable is, is the experiences that you have within that castle. Moving aside from the metaphor, uh, eights so often are worried that if they share themselves with other people that, that they will be harmed in some way. And as a result of that, that means that they don't have the thing that's actually valuable, which is connection to other people. Mm. And yeah, so, so when they start to see that being vulnerable, that sharing their feelings, that being in touch with their feelings and being aware of the feelings of others is, is, part of good and healthy relationships, then they don't have to be as concerned about protecting those things so that they can protect the things that are actually valuable, which is the connection to other people, which is the, the, the types of people that need protection from others. The real trick is that the seeing that vulnerability is not weakness vulnerability is is something else entirely and and letting people into your your space letting people in is is good and healthy and valuable and and doesn't make you weak the vulnerability i think is real interesting here the healthiest uh, eight that was on my list was uh martin luther king jr mm -hmm. who aggressive nonviolence has at its core the need to be vulnerable right but through that you expose injustice. You expose what is awful in those who um, use, you know, violence and sinister methods to get what they want. And you are are able to say, "Hurt me, yeah, not them." Right. There's yeah. the heroic side to eights. Yeah. This and this was my title, my new title for for liberated eights was the magnanimous hero. Mm -hmm. The there is something about that eight sticking their chest out, taking the blows. Yeah, um, for the, for the others, uh, out of the the big heartedness. That's what magnanimity means. Uh, the big heartedness that they have, and in so doing, that's where they're sh they're showcasing their actual strength. Right, it's in taking the blows. King famously, uh, do you know this? He was stabbed early in his life. Mm -hmm. Um, and he had a scar on his chest of right. a cross right. <laughs> um, of how they of when they, they stitched him up. And so he actually always knew that he was going to be killed and lived in that place where he knew he couldn't achieve his basic desire to protect himself. Mm -hmm. And that is actually, I think, what really made King into a very healthy human being on those fronts, those revolutionary fronts. Right. Um, the arrows for eights go like this, that lustful controlling eights become more open-hearted and caring like healthy twos. Mm -hmm. The way that we talk about it a lot is, is that they use their considerable strength to protect the underdogs. Yeah. 
Um, so that that is a movement about about moving into a place where you are able to see and anticipate the needs of others and and use your energy, your your strength, your your power to protect other people who need it. Yeah, yeah. And in so doing, you find yourself protected. So that's actually how the universe works. Right. Um, brings us to nines. Uh, nines have a basic desire and a basic fear. They do indeed. Uh, we desire to be at peace, uh, stable, harmonious, um, and our fear is of loss or uh, fragmentation is another good word. Yeah. I know we've talked about this in the in the past, but mm-hmm. talk about fragmentation. Uh, the idea of... Um, for me, uh, the way this makes sense is that that I don't want to see the system break down. Um, so I don't I don't want our relationship to fall apart because that represents disharmony. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. There it is. Uh, healthy nines are characterized by their receptivity. Uh, yeah, thoughts on that? That was a, a weird word I hadn't seen before in association with nines, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, it's we we can we can take all things. Oh, okay, sure. So you yeah. you can throw, throw whatever you need at, at me. Uh, it's interesting. It's cool, man. <laughs> you do you attract all the people who want to verbally process. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> Bring it on, because in your presence, I can matters. take it. And because it's fun, I like okay. it. Okay, yeah, that works. Yeah. Sense of self is I'm peaceful, and it seems to me that. The nine who says I'm peaceful is actually through that peace they're gaining the control that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on what's going to be the obstacle to uh, nines being their healthiest self? Well, number one, uh, we cannot we we don't exist in a world where there is no conflict. That's that's not the world that we live in, and we we cannot avoid conflict in all situations. That's just, that's, that's not real life. So when that desire for peace, uh, and, and conflict freeness sort of overtakes our, uh, our other, the other parts of our lives, then, then we like, this is, this is the sloth. This is where we stop moving and we stop developing and we stop being ourselves, being aware of ourselves and we start to just fold into other people around us. Yeah, the being aware of self is a big thing. Oh, yeah. Which I think isn't stated very often. Correct. But, but that's where Riso and Hudson go. They say the move towards liberation is characterized by self-remembering mm-hmm. and engagement. Yep. The engagement makes sense. Nines are action-repressed. Right. Self-remembering. Talk about that. Well, we... be. be in that peace place, um, we feel like our presence doesn't matter. We feel like uh, it's not okay to assert ourselves because if we assert ourselves, then we enter into spaces where conflict might happen and somebody else is always more important than I am. And so that self-remembering, that, that engaging, what do I want, what do, who do I want to be, um, how do I feel, um, these all of the different things about self, it it is so much easier to just go along with what other people want than to stand up and say, this is me, this is what I want. Yeah. There, yeah. There it is. 
So they, uh, those authors write, nines let go of the belief that their participation in the world is unimportant or unwanted. Thus, they can truly connect with themselves and with others. They paradoxically achieve their basic desire to have inner stability and peace of mind. And as a result of their self-actualization, they become indomitable, dynamic, serene, and present. I like the word indomitable. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on liberation for nines? Well, the the term that came to mind for me when I was thinking about this was that um, sort of when we're no longer trying to define ourselves as being peaceful, then we find that we can actually just be at one with the universe. Uh-huh. Uh, and and um, at that at oneness includes I am who I am in the midst of all of the things that are around me. Talk about the dynamism that might happen there. When I think about being at one with the universe, I have a very mellow picture in mind. Okay. But a liberated nine, at least in, ter- in their eyes, is going to have a much more dynamic energy. Well, because there's, there's things happening all around us at all times. And so, so being able to, like, I don't get really excited about things very often. Yeah. Like, especially my, my affect, I'm, I'm very mellow about most things. Um, and, and I don't express excitement. Mm-hmm. And it's often because I don't really feel excitement. And if I'm actually engaged with the universe as it's happening around us, because the universe is incredibly dynamic, then I find... Um, myself sort of waking up, sort of becoming enlivened, yeah, uh, in ways that like, like being happy, being sad, like, like if I'm always out of touch with myself, then I'm just mirroring the people that are around me. Mm. But if I'm if I'm aware of myself, if I'm engaged with myself. Um, Nines can be incredibly dynamic by just being present. Yeah, yeah. through it. The dynamism, so I had as the new title for nines is the stout-hearted universalist. And so it was interesting that you kept bringing up the universe in terms mm-hmm. of your oneness. Yeah. The I am connected to all these things is, is uh, something that nines bring to the table and unlike anyone else, mm-hmm. being able to really... See the interconnectedness, see yeah. the ways that that all things relate to each other. This is why we're good mediators and uh, like like I can see your point of view and I can see your point of view and I can see that that they're not exactly dichotomous. Yeah. You're not a mat to be trampled in that situation. Right. You are stout hearted and, and dynamic, forceful, but mm-hmm. and so that you know, bringing balance ends up being a very active uh, at nine's healthiest, bringing balance is an active move. It's not a passive move. Right. Um, yeah. It's it's not just being peaceful in myself. Yeah. It is bringing balance to this the places around me. Yeah. And that and that's going to require passion. It's yep. passion for well. Balance is another balance is another word for fairness or justice or moderation. It's mm-hmm. a virtue that's being advocated for. Um, and sometimes the extremes end up being toxic, mm-hmm. you know, um, and nines will see that. And again, 
move into those spaces, pull the healthiest things forth. Right. Arrows, uh, slothful, self-neglecting nines become more self-developing and energetic like healthy threes. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on the arrows? I mean, the, the big thing there is the doing. Yep. Yeah. It's this Self-development is an interesting word for a nine. It's That is moving towards self-remembering if mm-hmm. you're just seeking to improve yourself. Right. I suppose you're on the wing there with your, your one side that might... And the eight, like they, the 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 real problem there is that that because we, it's easier to become what other people think we should be. Yeah. Then we don't develop who we actually are. Oh, uh, sure, sure. There yeah. it is. Come on. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, lastly, is the ones. Yeah. Uh, ones have a basic fear and a basic desire. Naturally, the basic desire for ones is to. Be good, to have integrity, to be right. And their basic fear is of being bad or uh, corrupt or defective. Because of this, uh, healthy ones are often characterized by their conscientiousness. Mm -hmm. Principled. Eights, nines, and ones all kind of have that principled side to themselves. Or is that just eights and ones? No, it's it's about nines as well, um, because it's about behavior. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, sense of self says Riso and Hudson. The one is going to see themselves as reasonable. I am reasonable would be a uh, way that one might see themselves, mm-hmm. and it's through their reasonableness that they're going to gain the control they want. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the obstacle for ones in being liberated? Uh, well, the one of the big things there is that they um, they become certain that their way is the right way, and um, become can easily become uh, sort of uh, domineering in that sense, and uh, it 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 gives them a sense that they have the right, they have the opportunity to judge the world around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, that is a, that is a big hurdle for ones to overcome. Um, and it also means that they're always reacting to other things. Uh, so, so they, they think they're objective. They think they're, because they think that they are correct. Uh, they think that they have the authority to, um, judge that for everyone else. And that's not a healthy way to live. Yeah. And that's where Riso and Hudson go to. They say the road for liberation for a one is to is characterized by acceptance. Mm-hmm. They write, ones let go of the belief that they are in a position to judge anything objectively and are able to approach life without emotionally reacting to it. Mm-hmm. I would like to note as a philosopher, they're making that as an objective statement about <laughs> ones and therefore it's self-refuting. In well, so good doing, thing you corrected that. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm right, TJ. <laughs> In so doing, they write, they also paradoxically achieve their basic desire to have integrity and to be good. As a result of their self-actualization, they become wise, discerning, accepting, hopeful, and often noble. Just because they got the language wrong doesn't mean the principle doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, the principle is this. It's really bad to to be so black and white in your thinking, right. specifically if it's 
what I believe is always right. And um, I'm not able to divorce myself from my own viewpoint and in order to see the viewpoints of others. Right. That is the the mark of a healthy person mm-hmm. is becoming aware of the perspectives of others. I think that's what they're seeking to state. Right. And that would not be self-refuting. <laughs> Here's the thing. Liberated ones are going to be free from their own judgments. And and they're also going to set the world free from their judgments. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Themselves and the world. Yep. Because liberated ones are the judgments end up being one of the problems that ones have with their own internal anger. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you relax then the 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 you know the anger that you point towards yourself all the time gets lessened. Right. Anger that you point outward gets lessened. Yeah. And this is this is a part of the big the big value of postmodernism is is the idea that that it's not necessarily the case that there is only one truth at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, the which itself is a truth claim, but right, right. Um, and <laughs> and this is like like there are some times when we need to recognize that that something that is is real for you is not real for me. Yeah, and that's okay. All all claims come from a point of view, right? Even the the claim, all claims come from a point of view, is stated from my point of view, but it's a presupposition that makes sense of everything else. That's again a non contradictory way to say this. The <laughs> understanding that we all come to the table with different histories, baggage, pains, experiences. Um, our biology is into and chemistry is entirely different, mm. and from those places, our brains are are assessing the world around us, and we then come into community and notice all of the things that are different between you and me prior to us even shaking hands and saying hello. My name's Jeff. All all things uh, of value are coming forth from active minds. And uh, when we when we engage each other, values come forth. Right. The one when it, the one is unhealthy says, "Oh, but of course mine are best." And right. not only that, they're right. right. And not only that, they are in line with how reality is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put my fingers in my ears and not listen to anything else. Right. And I'm going to prescribe that you f- fall into my system of right and wrong because it's the best. Because it's the best one. Yep. Yeah. The liberation is being freed from the. I mean, that's creating a box for yourself, you've right? Been, you've you can manufacture that box all day long. Yeah, and and the the thought I had was like it's a movement from needing to live the reality that I am good to just being able to be good. Yeah, yeah. There it is. And that's where liberation really does take place because the for for me, I don't want to be wrong and that's why I'm going to spend so much time getting my principles in order, lined up, thoughts, you know, footnoted. Right, right. Because then I won't be corrupted. Nobody can judge me. Right. Um, but if you separate yourself from the system that decides right and wrong judgment, et cetera, then you can actually just, just live in the world and do good things and like make the right decision because it is the right decision, not because you can't be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, 
Well, and we'll get into this with, with, with holy ideas, but for, for the one, the holy idea is holy order. That is that I see a, an underlying order that's already there. I don't need to improve anything beyond what is mine to do today. Right. And I can rest in the fact that something else has ordered everything and I can joyfully engage that order without having to control it, but just to experience it yep. and allow it to, to wash over me and my life. Yep. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next time. But yeah. um, I had the title as the self-possessed sage. Great. Um, I've already forgotten why I put self-possessed, but that was a good word, I thought, for wise, discerning, accepting, hopeful, noble. Noble, I think. I was trying to think of a different word than noble, mm-hmm. but self-possessed kind of came out as a... When I think of healthy ones, there is a self-possession there. Mm-hmm. They are not actively judging all the things you need to change, and yet they are still quite wise. And the so ones everyone has has this almost everyone has this thing in their head, but but ones in particular have have the voice in their head that's constantly criticizing everything that they do. And when you move away from that system of judgment, then you don't have to listen to that voice, mm-hmm. um, and you can you can learn ways to sort of control it and and quiet it, and and you can accept the the ways that you have behaved the the decisions that you've made the actions that you've taken in in a self-possessed way mm-hmm. yeah there is something uh, uh, an example of a one on this front would be somebody like paul who's a writer of the bible there's a lot of letters and of paul's in the new testament the early ones uh, the earliest is called Galatians, and he's on fire judging people. At yeah. one point, he encourages his interlocutors to cut their dicks off, and you they don't teach that in Sunday school, but it's there. Right. And there is something about just the aggressive, like this needs to change, this is how the world gets set right, mm-hmm. uh, kind of um, fire coming out of that man. But if you look at the latter letters, that's not where they're at. Right. There's a much more seasoned, experienced, I'm going to take a composed step forward and simply outline here are healthy and good rhythms that are joyfully presented with uh, with a lot of heart, warm-heartedness, mm-hmm. very different kinds of postures towards the world. Um, on the arrows, angry, critical ones become more spontaneous and joyful, like, heavy, like healthy sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, Final thoughts on on ones. Um, we talk a lot about the the light bulb analogy. Like ones are the type that are very likely to most likely to walk into a room and immediately know which light bulbs are out. Um, and and I think that that move to health doesn't necessarily like ignore the light bulb, but might recognize that nobody else sees the light bulb. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if it doesn't get fixed today because we're already doing something else that is going to be more enjoyable for everyone else around us. Yeah, there you go. That's good. So anything else on uh, liberation? I think we covered as much as we can. Um, Yeah, it's it's all about... um, 
it's it's removing the self from the equation. Um, it's it's not seeing the thing um, in all of my notes. It all started with uh, moving from I am this to just being that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the big the big deal. Removing yourself. So we'll get our next uh, podcast up in a couple weeks. It'll be well. How do I get there? Uh, I can see the target. The target seems 100 miles away. Um, that can be one of the great helps of the Enneagram is not only showing you here's where you're going, but um, here's how other people have gotten from here to there. So we communicate through Twitter at Enneagram Circle and on the Instagram at Around the Circle Podcast. The music is by The Collection at Greensboro, North Carolina and by Tim Coons from here in Greeley, Colorado. The best thing you can do to keep these going is to subscribe. The next best thing is to share this episode or any of our others with some of the folks that you love on Facebook or or tweet it to them or, uh, or send it to them in a text. And the Snapchats. Or... We would love, love, love to get these into other people's hands. So we are uh, presently booked through 2019, but we're setting up events uh, in 2020 after Easter now. Uh, we do one day and two day events for up to 250 people and leadership teams for up to 20. Um, he is TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. My name's Jeff Cook. And even though it feels like we're chasing windmills, that doesn't mean we're not knights. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Morning will come burning.